Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord once again. And uh, glad for what God is doing. So we have a lot of snow coming down this morning. And uh, just another testament of God being on the throne, providing us with a little more white for this winter. I know the farmers, my understanding is the farmers look forward to the snow. So there's a reason for everything. God knows exactly what we need. I was telling my son this morning, you know, we were talking about <clears throat> prayer and said, you know, when you're coming before God and you're offering your heart to him, you offer up things that, you know, the things that you like, the things that you enjoy, the things that just kind of near and dear to you. You offer those things up to God. I said, and you offer your heart up to him. And some of those things is not good in your life. You offer those things up. God cleanse my life. And then you ask God to fill your heart with things that you may not like that may be good for you. I said, but either way it goes, offer up your heart to God, and he will definitely make it what what he needs it to be. Every situation that we experience in life may not always be enjoyable as far as feeling good, you know, all those things that cater to the flesh, but understand that all things work together for the good to them that, right? Amen. So, we may not enjoy the snow, but we know... There's a purpose for it, and since we know that God is the one providing it, we can still find some fulfillment in that. Amen? So we're going to continue our lesson, uh, wrap up talking about conquering pride. Um, And again, this is one of those things that is prominent in our society. Uh, We know the scripture talks about uh, all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, the flesh, and the pride of life, right? First John, I believe. And so we are continuing talking about pride. And as I stated last week, there is nothing good about pride. Pride is at the very core of ungodliness. Okay. Pride is an unauthorized exaltation of any kind, or excuse me, of any and everything that is ungodly. You know that... Whenever you lift up the name of Jesus, there are things that happen in your life that propel you forward, propel you toward God. But whenever you take away from Jesus, then there are things that are taken away from you. Amen. He's the one that builds us up. That if we try to build ourselves up, then we're lacking substance. We end up lacking what we really need. We end up with a void and emptiness in our lives. Okay? We become vague in our lives. But when we lift up the name of Jesus in our lives, he's the one that makes us what we need to be. Understanding that the only reason for our existence in the first place is because he saw fit to bring us into existence. And by virtue of bringing us into existence, we know that we have a purpose for our existence. Amen. Well, who better to help us fulfill that purpose than the one that brought us into existence? And that is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all with me? 
Pride must never be confused with confidence. Confidence represents the belief that something can be accomplished. Okay? The problem begins when we become confident in ourselves, our abilities, our talents, our positions, etc. We become confident in things rather than in Jesus. This is where the problem occurs. In some cases, it's even possible to become prideful in ministry. Ministry is a great thing. And the ministry should never be taken lightly by any of God's people. But we also have to be careful that the we don't allow the enemy to push us overboard and get us to start believing that we are something more than what we truly are. We're nothing without Christ. The scripture says I can do all things through Christ. Amen. So even in ministry, we've got to be careful. Look at what Jesus did when he or when uh, when the enemy, when the uh, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He tried to get him to exercise the power that he had, but in the wrong way. And if Jesus would have been built up in himself, he'd have, yeah, OK, I'll cast myself down. That's right, because I can call up the angels and they'll catch me. But what was the purpose in that? That wasn't the purpose of his power to exercise it for his own gratification. He came to do what? Save. Right. Remember, we talked about abusing what God has given us or being irresponsible with what God has given us. Right. The powers and ability that God gives us, you know. Sometimes it's, you, you just got to be careful. God gives you the, 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 the power to heal. It's God that's doing the healing. But if I get beside myself, I'm going to start laying hands on folks that God didn't tell me to lay hands on. Nothing happens. Or maybe something does happen, but it is not because of you. Y'all understand what I'm So we got to be careful. Pride is one of those things that, you, you know, you just got to be, you got to continue to examine yourself. It's one of the things the pastor was talking about yesterday when we was sitting down in Guys Grow. Making sure you examine yourself. Know where you stand. And, you know, the most effective way to examine yourself is to take the word of God and see how you measure up. Never comparing ourselves among ourselves because we'll never be better than ourselves. We've got to be in order for us to be what God wants us to be. We've got to measure ourselves according to the word. Amen. See how we measure up. That's why that's the purpose of the word of God. It is important to recognize that we did not construct ourselves by ourselves. Psalm 103 says. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. I think it's pretty audacious for us to ever get to the point where we feel like we are self-sufficient without God. That's pretty bold. But 
that's the attitude of our society today. And that's why we're in the condition that we're in in our world today. Because folks are letting go or forgetting about God, forgetting where they come from. You ever heard that term? Don't forget where you come from. Don't forget your roots. Well, our roots is in God. Amen. So we can't forget that. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Furthermore, it must be clarified that there is no such thing as being godly proud. I can't stand that term. There is no such thing as godly proud. Look in the scriptures and find me a term in the scriptures that even indicates that there's a such thing as godly proud. There are folks that use that. I'm godly proud. This phrase causes confusion. If God hates pride, then how can he be affiliated with pride? The proper term is to be pleased or delighted in something or someone. We looking for that strong word, but really to be pleased is probably the highest term that we can use. Look at what God said about Jesus. The voice came from heaven. He says, what? This is my beloved son in whom I am proud of, right? Whom I am well pleased. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a nice word. It's a powerful word. Think about it. That's what the that's why the world do, does what they do. So they can pleasure themselves, to please themselves. You see something being done good, you know? I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased when I see my children going to school and getting good grades and having good behavior. I'm pleased with that. And I tell them, I am very pleased. Not happy. Happiness is an emotion that can come and go. But I'm pleased with what I see. I'm pleased with what you're doing. I'm pleased with the way my life is. I'm pleased with my relationship with God. I'm pleased. I'm delighted. Pride is limited to things. That are measurable to me. Pride is or limit is limited to the things that are measurable because it can only be compared to other measurable things. Did y'all get that? Pride is limited to the things that are measurable because it can only be compared to other measurable things. Everything that is earthly can pretty much be compared or can be measured. There's a measurement to status, your social status. There's a measurement to how much money you have. You can pretty much put a measurement on those things. But that's the essence of pride is what you can measure. When you start dealing in the things of God, those are things you can't measure. It's beyond what you can put a figure on. So while pride makes us feel something greater than what we are, it's really limiting to limiting us to what we see. Everybody with me? Okay. 
So let me just read some scriptures here just kind of quickly. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 19. Uh, You don't have to turn to all of these because I'm just going to try to go through these real quick so I can get to the last part of this lesson. So Leviticus, excuse me, 26, verse 19. God says, I will break the pride of your power and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. In other words, I'm going to limit you. I'm going to bring you back to where you need to be. I'm going to make you a base. I'm going to help you realize that there is a limitation to who you are. You're not greater than what you think you are. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Y'all see that, right? Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13 and 10. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 14 and 3, and Pastor was t- touching on this word here, foolishness, yesterday. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. The lips of the wise shall preserve them. Proverbs 16, 18, one of, the, one of the most famous scriptures here. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. And there's so many other scriptures in here that you can, that, you know, that cites the word pride. The word pride is cited actually in the scriptures 49 times. And the word proud is cited in the scriptures 48 times. But none of these references render pride in a positive context. Therefore, it is vital that we get rid of pride before pride gets rid of us. So in our, you know, in our culture, pride is looked at as a positive thing. But it's important as a church to know that there's pride is not something that God is pleased with. Amen. So we have to abstain from pride. Pride is I can tell you this much. You will not find a person repent uh, with a heart of repentance if they're full of pride. If I know something is wrong in my life, I won't correct it because of pride. If I offended you, I won't come and try to reconcile because I'm filled with pride. I have found that when the man of God is preaching the word of God and it strikes me and I know I need to correct something. I know it's God speaking to me. I won't listen to it. And I rebel because of pride start talking about my brothers and sisters in christ and the man of god and whoever else that i come in contact with speaking evil really because of 
Pride keeps you from looking at your own flaws and errors. It's a blinder. I see nothing else but the flaws of others, but I'm good. You ever been in a situation where you know you need help? And somebody offer it and you know you need help. Right? I'm good. You need help? No, I'm good. I'm straight. Thank you anyway. And in your mind, you thinking, now, how am I going to get this accomplished? Pride will leave you in a bad situation. Pride causes you to be isolated. You know, for men, that's one of the things that, that's one of the, that's one of the most challenging things for men. Mostly. I'm not saying it doesn't happen for women, but in most cases, men, we are, you know, it's one of those things in our nature. Naturally, we, we isolate ourselves. We don't open up as much. And a lot of it because of pride. Some of it is your personality, so don't get me wrong. There's, you know, some people just quiet. They don't say much. But if you engage in a conversation, you know, they're just, They'll probably respond, but but for those who just purposely, I'm keeping everybody at a distance. A lot of that's because of pride. Won't call nobody for help. Won't reach out. A lot of it is because of pride, but pride causes you to be isolated, and as a result, what happens is you become vulnerable, right? I can't make it on my own. There are some people that I call periodically, I call different people from sometimes just just for encouragement, if nothing else. Just to have that, you know, somebody you can fellowship with from time to time, you know. And here's the biggest, here is the the the... The biggest misconception is that if you're in a status in ministry in the church, you don't need anybody to fellowship with. There are some people who just who looks at that and say, well, you know, they're the man of God or they're, you know, whatever. So they're good. They don't need. The man of God or the woman of God that's in those positions, they probably like, man, I just need somebody to talk to. Somebody that's, you know, encourage me. I know how to encourage myself, but sometimes I just need that extra push. Remember we talked about God calls you to ministry. You, your job is to serve. It's better to give than to receive. Sometimes you do want to. Receive. <laughs> You're not looking for anything tangible, just, you know, just a little fellowship. You know? Now, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just, most of the time I'm serious, but that's just my personality. Now, I like to joke around, but, you know, I'm, even in that, I'm serious. I have a, I don't know, I guess they call it a dry sense of humor. 
But, you know, it's, <laughs> that's my personality. But you got some folks, you know, it, it, when you're talking about spirituality, some folks look at the, you know, the preachers and stuff and they say, man, they, you know, they just on this other level. They don't joke around. They don't, you know, they don't get into, they don't enjoy sports. Some people, I'm not saying us, I'm just saying some people think that. So they don't bring up nothing, you know, they don't, well, I got to be super spiritual when I get around the man of God. Now, yes, you're supposed to reverence the man of God. We don't lose that. But every now and then, there might be something funny that you can say, you know. I don't know what possessed me to say what I said this morning in, in the meeting, but I said, yeah, this morning we're going to play a Fly Like an Eagle for song service. For those of y'all that know that song. <laughs> I know good and well I ain't playing that song. In no ch- I, don't even, I don't even know the lyrics of that song, except for that part. Well, everybody got a little laugh out of it, and we rolled on. You know, it's okay to to lighten up sometimes, right? That's you know part of what I'm teaching. A lot of times, some things hit me, and I just say it. You know, if it's like, man, that's that's kind of funny. People will laugh. For me, it's just, you know, again, the dry sense of humor. I may not laugh, but, you know, it's it's going in my mind like, man, that's kind of comical. Yeah, if y'all don't know, me and my wife, we talk sometimes. And sometimes the way things hit me, I see cartoons in my head with certain things. Even when I'm reading the scripture, sometimes I see God in a certain, you know, I just see God moving in a certain way or maybe just imagine how he be looking at it like, you are so silly. I don't make light of it, but, you know, it's just when you're looking at life, you're enjoying life, sometimes you're going to see things that's kind of, you know, comical, whatever the case may be. That's part of what God has given us, the ability to laugh, right? Laughter is not a sin. We just don't laugh at sin. Amen? There ain't nothing really funny about a drunk person walking down the street is inebriated and can't, you know, can't function right. That's not funny. Some of his behavior might be funny, but it's not funny that he's in that condition. And as people of God, we just know what to know how to distinguish. As we grow, God teaches us that. So we can look at things properly. You know, hopefully in this next series that we'll be doing, Lord willing, we're talking about putting life back into perspective. That's some of the things that, you know, we'll be talking about. Looking at things that, the way we should look at it. Okay. I don't know where all that came from. Okay. Ways to overcome pride. Let's look at this. All right, so in order to overcome anything, we know we got to be fit, right? We talk about things in life, you know, when you want to accomplish something, you got to work at it, right? Got to put some effort forth. Spiritually, we have to be fit, okay? 
I didn't say in shape because there's all kinds of shapes. But spiritually, we have to be fit. All right. And the three things to me that helps you stay fit spiritually is one by exercising faith. Okay. The scripture tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says that faith. Right. Cometh by hearing and hearing. Excuse me. I'm thinking about Lord Jesus. Help me. Uh. Faith is the substance. I did this this morning, too. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I apologize. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So understand, you know, the scripture also tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Right. So it's not based upon how things appear. Remember the balloon that we had last week? You look at it, and on the surface, it looks like something grand and big, but on the inside, it was really nothing. Pride can have us built up so much till we forget our identity as Christians, and we forget who we are identified with, who is Jesus Christ. And we lose the substance of, of our life. And all it takes is one strike to cause us to be destroyed because of pride. See, the difference is when you submit your life to God, there are things that He's putting in you that solidifies you, it molds you, it shapes you, and you become the frame, you become everything you're supposed to be, but it starts on the inside. So that when folks see the outside result, it's stemming from what's on the inside. You're not lacking substance. When they look at you and they see you, who you are, you're blessed, whatever it is. You're in a position, you know, you're in a certain level in ministry, whatever the case may be. You're operating in the things of God. You're a prayer warrior, whatever it is. It's because there's something that was built over time. Folks that's able to operate in the power of God, it's not just something that they just dreamed up themselves, but it's something that God did in them that brought them to that point. So when they walk up to somebody, they're going to lay hands and know and have the confidence that God is going to respond. Why? Because there's something that God has put on the inside of me. It's not about me. It's about him. Everything that I'm doing is drawing attention to who? God. When I make it less about me and more about him, he adds more to my life. Paul says I must decrease so that who? He may increase, right? But every time I'm lifting him up, he's doing more in my life. The more I'm glorifying him, he's doing more in me. People are seeing things happening in my life, but it's because of my relationship with him. He is the substance of what I hope to be. So it's not based upon what I see in this in this earthly world here. It's based upon who I aspire to be in him. In him we move, we live, and we have our 
In order to be spiritually fit, you've got to be, you've got to pray. Man, this flesh, I don't care who you are, the flesh don't want to pray. It takes discipline to pray. The flesh don't want to be disciplined. Look at our world today and tell me that discipline is amongst the highest value in our society today. We just running rampant. Just crazy. Students are fighting teachers because they're told to sit down. That's the flesh. Folks don't want to be, you know, they get charged with something. They don't want to be held responsible for something that they actually did. I'm paying for lawyers to say I'm innocent when I really did the crime. This is what we're doing. That's the flesh. So the flesh don't want to be disciplined. But if you're praying and you're communicating with God, you are putting this flesh in a position where it has to submit. You practice that for a while. After a while, it's just something that you just do because you you really love doing it. And the flesh has to submit. That becomes a part of your life. Yes, sometimes may be more challenging than others because the flesh don't want to get up early in the morning and kneel down and pray. But I, I guarantee you, once you start praying and you start really connecting with God, you start forgetting about what the flesh feel like. You start thinking about how good God has been to you and you start thinking about the needs of others. And you start praying about those things, you'll find that, you know what, man, the list goes on and on. I was praying the other morning, I said, Lord, I could just be here all morning talking, you know, praying about the needs of others. The people that I know, there's a whole lot of people I don't know. But just with the people I know, that's a long list right there. But the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man is what availeth much. So you want to prosper? Be a prayer. Fasting is another thing that disciplines the flesh. Do without what? When I was growing up, we, you know, every time we fasted and I'm, you know, you've got different methods out there of how to fast, so on and so forth, what to fast from. When I was growing up, it was always we when we fasted, when we heard the word fast. It meant no water and no food. Now, as a kid, that's a big deal. To some of us adults, that's a big deal. Amen? And the only thing we had to do was go from 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 in the evening. We thought we was going to die. 12 hours without water and food, man. That is impossible. No one can do that. That's how we felt as kids. Man, this is it. We sitting there looking at the clock. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, oh, Lord, would you, are we close yet? <laughs> Mile drive. We're just sitting there like we've just been abandoned for months. On an island with no food, we just sitting there like we really about to die. 
This is torture. But I thank God for those moments because it helped me value. A lot of times in my life today, you know, when I think about, Lord, I want to be closer to you. If I feel like there's just some things that may have gotten in the way or whatever the case may be, that's one of the things I resort to is going back to fasting. Jesus says this kind goeth not out but by the apostles, or the disciples, excuse me, were asking Jesus, why couldn't they cast out the demon? But what they were really asking is, why can't we exercise the power that you exercise? Jesus told them, if you want to do it, this is how you're going to get there. Guess what? The same applies to us today. Do you know you don't have to have the gift of healing to lay hands on somebody and they recover? By being Holy Ghost still, God can operate through you to heal somebody's body. That's powerful. Look at all these souls we have in here right now. And I know that every pew, you know, every seat may not be filled, but just think about it. It's the same thing that's being preached about. You know, you impact one life and guess what? It spreads. That's what happened with Jesus. All he did was go and somebody said, I need help. And he said, okay, I'm going to help you. According to your faith, be it done unto you. Folks start being healed, lives start being changed, they start testifying, and the next thing you know, multitudes start following. Self-denial. Jesus says, you come after him, you're going to have to do what? And do what? No, see, I would have been okay with the denying myself, but you're talking about carrying that cross, man. It looked kind of rough when you was carrying yours. You want me to carry one too? Take up your cross and do what? You know, the servant is not greater than his master. Jesus already forewarned us, but with that, he already told us he, everything that we need is in him. We'll be talking about some of that next week, but, you know, just know that he's going to empower you. He's going to equip you with what you need to get through what you're going through. But the purpose of denying yourself is to make sure that God is in the proper perspective. He's supposed to be in our lives. Because the moment we become the focus. God doesn't. God is removed from our focus. Got to deny ourselves. <clears throat> Submit to authority. Obey them that have the rule over you. Remember what I was talking about earlier, you know, some folks just don't want to submit. They don't want to obey. Pride will keep you from getting blessings in your life. You looking around talking about Satan robbing you. Satan ain't robbing you of nothing. It's your own pride that's keeping you from being blessed. God says, I'm talking to you. I'm speaking to you. I'm telling you what to do so you can walk into the things that I have set for you. Why do you waste your time coming every Sunday? Why do you waste your time listening to the messages on the audio? Why do you waste your time looking in the word of God if you're not going to obey what I'm trying to tell you? You want to be blessed? Listen to what I say. Obey what I'm telling you. 
And oh, by the way, while you looking for me to speak to you audibly directly, I could do that. But I raised up some folks that I can use to speak to you. The ones that I've charged to care for your souls. People misunderstand what a pastor is. He's not the one sitting on the throne just barking out orders. That's actually not his role. The pastor's responsibility is to care for your souls, to watch for your souls. So think about that. Me and my wife, we talk about it a lot. You know, are we being a blessing or are we being a hindrance? Folks, you know, <laughs> treat the man of God. I just, <clears throat> it's just something for me that's, that's near and dear because, you know, I always think about, I go back to Saul, right? Saul was chosen. God allowed him to be the king, so on and so forth, right? Now, everybody throws stones at Saul, but who was the ones that was complaining that caused Saul to make uh, burn the sacrifice in the first place? Who was complaining? Oh, we didn't read that part, huh? <laughs> Saul leading the men, but guess what? They were the ones scattered, running and afraid and everything else. Lord, help us. Jesus, help me, Lord. In the wilderness, Moses leading the people out of Egypt. But guess what? The ones that caused him so much heartache... The ones that was complaining, the ones that turned to a, a different God, was the people. Folks, some folks don't realize how much of a challenge it is. I got to watch for my own soul, and now you give me the responsibility to watch for other souls too? How do I handle this situation? Guess what, y'all? You one person, but when I got to look at 20 people... And figure out, Lord, how do I address this one? How do I handle this? That's challenging. I don't care how strong you are spiritually, it's still a challenge. As a leader in the things of God. Think about your home. You trying to raise your family, raise your children, keep them on the right path, right? And the more children you have, it's just like, oh, Lord, how am I deal with this one right here? Sometimes we teach at home, and I look at some of my kids, and I'm like, Lord, are they going to get it? I'm trying. I'm trying. Lord, what, what, what can I do to help them along? Well, how do you think our leaders feel? The ones that God has called. You got to think about that. As people of God, that's what we have to think about. How can I be a blessing? How can I be an enhancement? It's a breath of fresh air when a leader, a spiritual leader can look at the people and say, man, they, they got it. They're doing it. I'm watching my son playing basketball and, you know, coaching is a tough job. The coach has to spend time with him. But it's not just on the basketball court. There are responsibilities sometimes that they have that 
don't happen on the court. As a coach, sometimes the students will come to them with, you know, situations or whatever, and they help them out. Somebody get hurt, they, you know, trying to figure out what they can do to make sure that they're taken care of, so on and so forth, right? So they turned over who they need to be turned over to. But even with that, they're still a team, a, a teammate, so they got to make sure, hey, are they okay? And there's a process to get them back reintegrated. So they got a full-time job just coaching. But when you can see your team players, they're playing as a team, all the principles you're trying to teach them, all those things you're trying to instill, and they come together and they start performing as a team. That's a breath of fresh air for a coach. And you can tell because everybody else in the stands cheering like, yeah, that's a great job. Yeah, the coach is like, yeah, they finally got it. It's the same thing in the church. Spiritual leaders, they like, man, hey, we just got to get this thing. We got to pray. We got to make sure that we're doing the work of God. We make sure that every time we come in contact with somebody, we're recognizing the opportunity to go and minister. You know, whatever the case may be, go forth. Don't just wait for me as the pastor to go speak to everybody in the whole nation. I can't reach them all. Not by myself. Y'all with me? Hey, God has given to me for some reason, so y'all, you know, y'all can take it and leave it, but I believe that God is trying to encourage the church to be the church. It's enough talking about being the church, talking about what the church should be. We gotta be the church. It's wasting money on flyers. Be the flyer. Let me get a business card. You the business card. When we go have another Bible study. You may not step foot in my church before you get the Holy Ghost. God may save you right here in the home Bible study. This is stuff that we can do. And that's what God is encouraging us to do. But guess what? If we're full of pride, we're going to miss it every time. Man of God preaching, sweating bullets and everything else and, you know, clothes drenched. He just, my goodness, I didn't preach as hard as I could preach, Lord. And everybody just walk out in the same condition. That's disheartening. Well, I'm still defeated. Why? I just preached a message about victory and what God can do, but I'm still defeated. Why are you defeated? Why are you not blessed? Why are you not growing in the things of God? Y'all all right? Humility. I'm almost done. I got one minute, I think. Humility. Not humiliation. There's a difference. Humility. Being humble. If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? You ain't going to repent. You're not going to turn from doing the things that you're doing. You know, it's amazing to me that folks that know that smoking will cause cancer will still go and purchase cartons of cigarettes and light them up. It's on the box. You can't be no more blatant than that. The only other thing you can do is just give them cancer. 
Here you go. I'm issuing your cancer now. This comes with the carton. Pride. But he says, humble yourself. Notice what he said. Do what? Pray, right? There's that prayer again. Seek whose face? Oh, we got to know who to seek. Who we supposed to seek? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and whose face are we talking about? Right? And do what? Naturally, you're going to turn from your wicked ways if you're seeking the face of God. Right? He says, then will he hear from heaven. He will heal the land. Or excuse me, he'll forgive their sins and he'll heal the land. Servanthood. Start serving people. I guarantee you to take your focus off of yourself. I always just envision myself as a tool. I'm a tool. I'm a conduit. Okay, God, so what do you want to do through me today? I tell my children the same thing. You're in school. You're around students. There's a whole, I mean, they all of them have different backgrounds. They got different things going on in their lives. But how are you an effective tool for him? You start getting busy serving. You start focusing less on yourself. Probably start being more thankful, too. Modesty, not just in clothing, because that's important, too. But being modest. You know, some folks are just loud for no reason. Just want to be heard, want to have the last word. You know, I yeah, you know, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm talking to people like that, I get annoyed because I'm like, it's not a competition. <laughs> we having a conversation. I think you misinterpreted my approach. Let me step back and come again. Hi, my name is. But to be modest, to be meek, to be lowly, it doesn't mean that you are a low person. It just it means that you are submissive to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are submissive to the greatest one. And when he's lifted up, he's the one that draws all men to him. Now, if he's lifted up and he's high and he's drawing us to him, then that means we become elevated by his will, not by our own. It's not to our demise when God is lifting us up. So. If I can encourage you with anything, with everything that's been said, hopefully you've been encouraged. But understand that pride is not something that should be a part of a, ch- a child of God's life. No way, shape, form, or fashion. Because the pride of life is what is, is, our, is to our destruction. Pride is what caused the enemy to get kicked out of heaven. Pride is what caused Adam and Eve to fall. And pride is what's going to cause the destruction of this world as we know it. But there's a group of people that God is raising up who are willing to be humble and submitted to him in heart, mind, and soul, where at the end we are lifted up, not because of ourselves, but because of who we glorify, because that's who we're going to worship and serve for eternity. Amen? So let's conquer pride and let's continue to serve God.